The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you. This is Cabinet of Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. Lauren Fates is back on the show. As you may remember, she was the host of She-Ra, Progressive of Power. It was a really popular podcast. She's wrapped it up, but she's got something new to plan, and she's going to tell us about that now. She also knows a lot about GameStop, so we get into that. And it's been a while since I've talked to her, so I just wanted to check in on how she's doing quarantine-wise. And we get into it pretty well, so let's talk to her. Yeah, so we're recording this in a blizzard and a little late because you decided to go out in the blizzard and get McDonald's. I don't know if any of that decision was a good decision. Um, the McDonald's is not actually hard to get to. I live across the street from the McDonald's, and the McDonald's was the emergency parachute that I pulled to get some calories in my body after I walked in the blizzard to the grocery store. Did you the make gro- it to the grocery store? Yes, that's why oh. it took me like an hour and a half. But you didn't get anything in the grocery store that you could eat now. No. It is a grocery store. Well, it was a curbside pickup. So I had already picked what I wanted. It was my like meal planning for the rest of the week. So it's, you know, things like raw meat and vegetables and fruits and not, you know, a Big Mac. So healthy things that you completely destroyed by getting McDonald's on top of it. Uh, yes, and I also destroyed them by dragging them in my metal cart about uh, three blocks in uh, the old rain. Yeah, this is a weekend where I look out the window and I go, so what's left in the kitchen? That's been... I'll tell you why I did it, too. It's that Chicago hubris. It's that you see the snow coming in the forecast, and every time the forecast gets riled up and gets you like oh, it's going to be the big one. It never is. So I just didn't think it was going to be. I didn't change my plans at all. I didn't prepare. Uh, Here we are. Yeah, see, this is what I get from being a Chicago transplant is every snow that comes, I go, well, this is going to be horrible. Just every single time. I'm I'm like, this isn't going to be the one. Yeah, I also, (laughs) you know, we were also 10 months into a pandemic. So I just, the only place I ever go is the grocery stores or sometimes Target because there's, the one with the grocery store in it. And then I can look for action figures. But that's like, that is the bulk of my getting in the car and doing anything anymore. Yeah, I, I drive the dog to daycare before I drive back home and work from home. Uh, I, I Every day? No, like twice a week. Okay. I occasionally walk to the McDonald's across the street and with a mask, ask for an Egg McMuffin and then come home. But it's it's mostly home, yeah. Yeah, if I walk down from where my apartment is, I can hit McDonald's and I can hit Trader Joe's and Chipotle. And if I go in the other direction, I can hit Jewel. So I really, I just go up and down the street if the boys aren't with me. I would love a Trader Joe's. That's pretty good. They got black and white cookies sometimes. And yeah. Lemonade. And they got that mac and cheese. I bought an air fryer. Oh, yeah, I got a food dehydrator. We all have our weird pandemic thing that we Oh, have. yeah. Yeah, Big Lots had a bunch of air fryers, and I just – I was buying anything in Trader Joe's to put in the air fryer and found out about 50% of it is amazing. Yeah, that sounds about right. That tracks. Yeah, some of it – some of it actually needs to go in the oven. But, like, Trader Joe's has enough small things that I'm like, I'll buy this and shove this in an air fryer. 
It's like a toy. It's like a, a grown-up toy. Oh, it completely is. Well, it's a piece of tech, and any any piece of tech I get excited about. I feel you know, the same way about the dehydrator. I'm like, what if I put apples in there? What's going to happen? Now, do you, eat, do you eat the food after you dehydrate it, or is it supposed to, like, store it in a pantry? I use it pretty much 100% for dried fruit. So I will make, like, apple chips or banana chips, and I'll just eat them. I haven't used it for anything storage-related yet. Okay. I think you can do that, but it's it's my small way of not letting some of the food go into the landfill. So like if my bananas are about to go bad, I will turn them into banana chips and get life out of them instead of throwing them out. That's kind of cool. See, now you made me think I've got to buy a big bag of potatoes and just throw it in the air fryer with no oil. See what happens. And just cut them up. Yeah. Or I could, yeah, I could bake air fry a potato. Uh, your I like that your your podcast, your comics podcast, has become about this. We're just all stir crazy. This is where the world is. <laughs> what have you put in your air fryer this week? I don't know. What have you put in your dehydrator? Yeah, I'm just glad nothing hot, ho- no horrible news has happened in the last week. There's been like so many weeks where Stephen and I were like, well, we're going to talk about X Men, but the Capitol's on fire, so oh, I guess. Sure. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I I understand we're coming from a place of extreme privilege, right? Like I am a liberal white cis woman in a city, and so things don't affect me like they could negatively affect a lot of populations. But I am grateful that it's just been boring for a week, like. There hasn't been an attempted coup in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. I, I pulled down like a, an omnibus that I, I would been meaning to read. And I was like, I'm reading a book. I haven't had the mental mental bandwidth to actually just sit and read a book. Very similarly, I um, picked up the video game Disco Elysium. Mm-hmm. And I've just been like, I can just play a video game. And I can live in this world and not worry about the one I'm in. You know, not forever. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand forever. But just for a few hours, I can actually do that now. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's so nice. Like I have, um, you know, su- Sundays I don't have anybody he- with me. The boys are with me from Wednesdays to Saturdays. And like uh, last uh, two weeks ago on Sunday, I was just like, you know what? I'm going to watch all of just Star Trek Discovery again. And I watched like six of them in a day. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, this is what I used to do. And the cat just sat with me on the couch. And I had a guitar nearby and I was like, oh, this is what I thought life was going to be like when I was like 22 and didn't have any money. <laughs> yeah, I just had my my bass lessons earlier this morning. So I feel you. Yeah. How's the bass going? Um, It's going way better than the last time I attempted to play bass. I, I took bass one and bass two at Old Town School of Folk Music before. And I'm basically doing that identical thing again, just two years later. Oh, see, I didn't realize there was a bass break. I thought you were about three years into bass. No, I took a huge break when I went to, uh, when I got divorced and when, when I went to grad school, that whole, that whole time period, I was not playing bass. All right. So I started over and I just understand it a lot more now. There's well, like relationships, you know, between different areas of the neck of the instrument. Like if you start here, you could play a triad by going in this direction or going in that direction. And my brain gets it so much better this time that I wonder what I was doing last time. Like I'm embarrassed for the me in the past that clearly was in this class before and didn't understand. Well, maybe you needed that time for the, for it to sink in the original time. I was good. 
I was going to teach myself drums when the pandemic started because I had a drum set and uh, now it's in a house that I don't live in. So I, <laughs> I learned two beats and I recorded one song and that was and that was it. But I bought this drum set, God, probably 10 years ago and then just had it there because we used to have band practice in my house. So the drummer wouldn't have to bring his stuff. And then when the pandemic started, we all had these like grand notions of like how we were going to improve ourselves and learn. And and I, I, I'm getting the feeling like the things we told ourselves we didn't have the time to learn, we just might not have the ability to learn. I think that's a good point. I have definitely reached like a, a hundred day Duolingo streak, which I think is pretty rad. But uh, I started um, my new podcast, which we'll talk about. But that isn't new me. That's just old me doing old me again. Yeah, yeah. Old old me got like bigger. There was like right before I left, one of my uh, big projects was I was going to organize all the Legos because we had been buying Legos for 20 years, like before the boys were born. Uh, we used to... Um, we used to live by a Toys R Us and we'd see like a Star Wars set or something and just get it. So we just had piles and piles and piles of bricks. So we had all these great out of print sets, but there was no way to access them at all. I'm like, I, I had every Indiana Jones set that they put out when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out, but it's a pile of beige bricks and yeah. some books. So uh, I got on this whole tear that I was going to get um, all of these uh, clear drawer bins that you get at Target which I used to store figures, we bought uh, like six of them, put them in the living room. And then I started breaking them up by color. And it took like three weeks. And I was just like, you're a dark gray and you're a light gray. And then the idea was we would have a bookshelf with the books. And if you wanted to build like the Death Star, you'd pull out the book and go, well, here are all the gray bricks. I just have to find out how big they are. Right, and at least the colors would be together. You'd have a starting point. Yeah, the colors were more important than the size. And I got super into it because that's an old neat thing to do. And then I ended up building like this gigantic uh, Indiana Jones like temple trap. And I, like I put like spiders in it and traps and I just kept like building it without thinking. And it's the kind of thing that if I sat down and planned, I probably would have said, that's way too much time. I'll never do it. But I was walking by the table every now and then and I'd be like, I'm going to put a wall there. And then I'd go away. And now like that set's still up. It's slowly getting chipped down. But that that's the kind of thing I poured my time into. It wasn't like learning how to play the drums. <laughs> I like the description or the piano. Of old, me, old me got bigger. That is absolutely <laughs> accurate. Yeah, which is why I had to exercise today, because old me's getting bigger. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't commute as much for 10 years. I complained about waiting for the train in the Chicago winter. And now it's February in a Chicago winter. And not only uh, have we been locked down, but then I just got a new job in New Jersey. So I'm never commuting again. Uh, and as much as I complain about like walking over the river when it's frozen solid, I was getting exercise doing that. Yep. I, uh, I'm definitely feeling the literally just having McDonald's breakfast so close to my home it's very easy to like sleep in and then just jet over and grab an egg McMuffin instead of eating something healthy. But on the bright side, there's lots of cool organizations doing just fitness stuff via Zoom over the pandemic. And so I do get to work out twice a week. Um, I do dance, dance, party, party one week and I, one day a week. And I do um, Palm Squad Fitness, which is like a cheerleading inspired cardio workout. 
And then I have my dog. I adopted the dog during the pandemic. Right. He has gotten huge since the last time we talked. And so I probably walk a couple of miles at least a day with her. So well, that's good. I'm balancing out all of the McDonald's I eat. Uh, so I haven't gotten bigger physically, but I don't want to know what my heart looks like. It might not be great. <laughs> <laughs> and the veins leading to it. Yeah. <laughs> I put a lot more egg McMuffins in there that uh, I have to fight off. Yeah, I've been I've been downsizing my collection um, since since I moved. I was like, yeah, I guess I don't need 30 long boxes of comics. Um, so I've been like, I was doing a lot of walking to the post office every day because um, where I am, there's two post offices, but they're each a mile away. Mm. Are you selling on like eBay? Yeah, I was doing a lot of eBay and then, uh, and then, uh, you know, DeJoy broke the post office and I ended up losing like 300 bucks in a month. So I haven't been doing it. I did sell enough that PayPal sent me a 1099, which means I now have to pay taxes on everything I sold. Oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the opposite it, of congratulations. It was. It's uh, a lot of guitars went because I just had, you know, I had so many guitars and I had so many comics and you know, nature pours a vacuum and uh, my basement was a vacuum. So, so it, it was, uh, yeah, so I had to stop doing that. So then that gave me no reason to go out. And I kept telling myself, okay, I have a Trader Joe's a walk away. I have a Whole Foods, a two mile drive away. Um, I have a dual right close by. I have a protein bar about 10 minute drive away. And I was like, these are all the places that I would eat in the city and keep myself healthy. Cause I would have like a quinoa wrap or I'd get sushi or I'd get a salad. And I was eating a lot healthier actually when I was commuting. And I, and I was telling myself, you know, it's even cheaper now. You could walk down and get a $5 wrap. You don't have to spend like $10 for sushi. But then every day at lunch, I'm like, well, there's popcorn in my kitchen. I'm not leaving anywhere. And I feel like saving money like takes precedence over eating healthy for me. And just getting, it's funny. Yeah, exactly. As you say, we've saved so much time commuting that now spending even a little bit of time that we don't want to spend feels absurd. It's this huge mental shift. Like, well, I have an hour for lunch or I have 30 minutes for lunch. I don't want to spend 15 of that driving to the restaurant, even though I used to spend two hours on the train. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I found it has decimated my reading. As I said, I started reading a book last night and I can't remember the last time I read a physical book. That two hour commute was all of my reading time. I would knock out books in a week. Yeah, I, I thought I would pick up more books. I think the thing that ended up happening was just getting back into video games. I, I got honestly, like problematically addicted to the video game Hades earlier in the pandemic, I was actually unemployed for three months. I'm not now. Thank right. you. Right. Congratulations. Thanks. But during the fun employment, my sleep schedule got completely donked and it was all Hades. So Hades is a roguelike where you, the object is you are Zagreus and you are trying to find your mother Persephone by fighting your way up out of hell. And each, you know, mini room is full of bad guys. You fight the bad guys. You get to go a room higher. But in roguelike fashion, if you die, you get sent all the way back to the beginning. And normally, I don't like roguelikes. I find the go back to the beginning extremely frustrating, demoralizing. I don't like games like this. But Hades has cracked it. 
Hades gives you so many different types of weapons and upgrades from the gods. There's also these RPG elements. So every time you get sent home, you can develop relationships with other characters who are amazingly voice acted and beautifully drawn. So it's fun. It's fun to die and start over. But when you're first starting out, when you're at that threshold, you're like, I can almost beat the game, but I'm not quite good enough yet. A full run is taking you about 45 minutes. Uh. And so I would be doing this thing during the pandemic where I would start playing at a reasonable hour, like 8 p.m. And I would just be like, just one more run. That one felt really good. I'm in a groove. Just just one more run. I got really close. I got further that time. Just one more run. It was like drugs. Yeah. Oh, well, it definitely has the same kind of uh, stimulation. Yeah. And next thing you know, it was literally like I'm going to bed at three in the morning. And then the dog is waking me up at like six or seven because she wants to go out. And then I just go back to bed and don't get out of bed till like noon or one. It was a mess. And it was all because I was in this video game so deep. Were you you starting to have dreams in the video game world? Because I find that's where I got to pull back. I wasn't having nighttime dreams about it. I did find that when I wasn't playing it, I was thinking about it. Like my brain was clearly still processing like strategy and how to use the weapons and the right combo and things like that. Uh, And so close to what you're saying. But long story short, I've never seen the credits of Hades. I I got out of hell once with every weapon and was like, okay, I can't anymore. <laughs> I, I'm stopping. But there's you could keep playing. You could start raising the difficulty on yourself and unlocking more weapon types. And there's a lot more game to see. But I tried to be an adult and say, I'm addicted to this. I need to get a normal sleep schedule back. And I probably won't play it ever again. Yeah, I, I, I fall into a game like that every couple of years because I, um, if my skills aren't great and I'm getting older, so my hand-eye coordination is not that good anymore. Um, but I find that like when I'm not good at a game, I'm like, oh, I need to build this skill and practice. And then there's a voice in my head that goes, or do something productive with your day. And then I just, I, I play a lot of games on easy just to see the game all the way through, or I just stop for months. I think the last game I got really obsessed with was Spider-Man because it was like the perfect, oh, yeah. it was the perfect Venn diagram of a uh, license that I'm already sold into and great game. And also just the way they built Manhattan made me homesick. Like I, I was, uh, Ben's finished it like three times, but I would like, I would go to intersections and I'd be like, that building was where my office was. It was like that perfectly realized. And that's the one thing that makes me want to get a PS5 is because the Miles Morales version is out. And one I'm of like, the only things out for PS5. Yeah, but it's backwards compatible for PS4. And as we were saying before the recording, I don't have a console in the apartment. So like Ben's really been on me about one. And uh, so I made him, he's old enough to know that there's no Santa. Spoilers. <laughs> um, oh no, what? <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> there's no Santa and love is an eternal. Figure that out. <laughs> put it uh, on a t-shirt yeah um but so when walmart was doing that like hey we're putting it up every three hours and you know walmart would immediately crash with bots i like had him sit next to me and i was like i'm going to try to get a playstation 5 now watch this 
and he would just stand next to me and watch watch it crash crash for five minutes straight and then sold out i was like see i did my best and we did it over and over and over again but he got uh he got the talking deadpool head so he was happy yeah it's at least comforting maybe comforting is the word i'm looking for that you were able to show him like I'm not not getting this PlayStation because I hate you and want to break your heart. I'm telling you, it is this bad. Look at how bad it is. And so if he's on that groove and understands, that's a, that's a win. Yeah, and he was. And he was actually like, he was actually excited because um, he did not know what he was going to get. And I was like, oh, I got you something that you asked for and forgot about. Because like the, have you seen the Talking Deadpool head that Hasbro put out? No, it sounds cool. It, it's really, it's a full size head. And it's a robot head, and it's the ma- it's covered in the mask, so it looks totally real. And it has like a movable jaw and eyes in it, and like it it'll rock back and forth on the neck. And it says like it has like two hundred and fifty phrases, like it's it just it's just a big snarky head. But he went nuts when he saw the video, and I'm like, I'm not getting that. It's a big stupid head. And then I couldn't get him a PlayStation Five, so. Well, I guess I'm getting a big stupid head. Yeah, then he was happy to get the big stupid head. And then Sebastian got a robot uh, baby Yoda that like oh, yeah. closes I, his eyes and lifts his hand. And they were both ha- they were both happy. I got him robots. I have my um, Build-A-Bear baby Yoda and I'm very satisfied. Aw. It's more cuddleable, but it doesn't blink or anything like the robot. Well, speaking of games, since we've been talking about games, um, yeah. as we were talking, you said, do you want to talk about the GameStop thing? And I'm like, I really do. And I don't get it. I feel like all I know about Wall Street is um, that the McDonald's by Wall Street had a piano in it in the 80s. <laughs> and and that uh, uh, Margot Robbie explained things from a bathtub in Adam McKay's The Big Short. And I, I keep going back to that. I'm like, this, I'm like, the Reddit thing, it's like... Christian Bale and Steve Carell, it's like that. But do you have more insight into this? Um, I have a little bit of insight. So one of the things that happened since the last time I saw you was I finished my business degree, hooray. Congratulations. Thank you, I hung my diploma in a place where people can see it during Zoom calls. I am proudly that guy. (laughs) You're a guy now. (laughs) uh, You know, guy like colloquially. So the thing about the GameStop issue is it's all based around this concept called short selling. And I don't know everything about the stock market, but I specifically remember learning about short selling in business school because when I learned about it, I stopped and I asked myself, how is this legal? I don't understand how they're allowed to do this. So the idea behind short selling is that you have a stock. You are my broker. I am your client. And I'm just like, hey, can I just borrow that for a second? And I take a, uh, I take stocks from you. And let's say they're all worth $10. And I just borrow them from you. I'm going to give them back, John. Like they're uh, my CDs. Yeah, I'm borrowing your CDs. Let's say they're CDs. That's fine. Yeah, they're Radiohead. They're the complete Radiohead CDs. And they're all out of print. And I go and I'm like, I'm just, I'll give them back to you soon. Don't worry about these Radiohead CDs. And I sell them to my friend. Uh because, you know, not a lot of people are listening to Radiohead on this day. And you know what? I'm just really cynical about Radiohead. And I think even less people are going to be into Radiohead in a couple months. And I'll be able to get those CDs back for cheaper. 
that's what short selling is. It's this idea that I borrow a stock from you. I borrow a share from you. I sell it with the intention of giving it back to you, but I'm betting that whatever I sold, I'm going to be able to buy back for cheaper. And you keep the difference. Yes. So I give you your stock back and I'm like, here's the thing I borrowed. Here's your CDs. But if I sold those CDs for 10 and then bought them back for seven, I'm just going to pocket the three. Like, you don't care. I was just borrowing them from you. You got back your CDs or your shares or whatever we're talking about. And so it incentivizes people on Wall Street to um, sort of try to gamble on the failure of businesses. So when you think about the stock market, normally you think about people buying shares because they believe in a business and they think it's going to become more valuable. That yeah, like buying Apple. More valuable. Yeah, exactly. Like Google. Oh, man, this is going to hit and it's going to be so valuable. Short selling is the opposite. You're betting on the idea that this company is going to fail. So when you do this little borrow, sell, buy, switcheroo, you pocket a little money. So which so, is why they've been targeting things like GameStop and now AMC. Yes. These, so these, these businesses that have, that have been kind of hammered the last few years, but the pandemic has decimated them. Yes. And so these short sellers are like, those businesses are going under if I sell my stocks now if i borrow them from my broker and sell them when i buy them back for even cheaper i'll keep all that money so the idea behind gamestop specifically is that someone on reddit looked into some publicly available information about a hedge fund and saw that that hedge fund had just a ton of shares in gamestop they were really betting on gamestop tanking they had put a ton of money into this idea that gamestop was going to fail so this guy goes on Reddit and he's like, hey, what if it didn't though? <laughs> and all of these people on Reddit, basically just as for, for trolling purposes, bought up all this GameStop stock and the value of GameStop, uh, GameStop stock shot upward. And so anyone who was in that middle point where they had borrowed shares and sold them and were just waiting for the price to drop suddenly it was the opposite and suddenly those shares were worth way 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 more than they ever dreamed of them being worth and so in order to return buy back those those shares and return them to their broker they would have to lose a ton of money yeah and a hedge fund so, went bankrupt doing this yes and so to bring it back to your metaphor if radiohead suddenly made this huge comeback and all of the Gen Xers and Gen Zers and millennials and everyone in between was listening to Radiohead and everyone wanted Radiohead CDs. Suddenly I would be like, oh shoot, I need to give John his CDs back, but now they're worth a thousand dollars. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to pay someone a thousand dollars to give him his CDs back. To slightly switch the metaphor from one nineties band to another band. This would be like Weezer recording Africa last year. Yeah. And then suddenly, uh-oh. Everyone's into Weezer. <laughs> Everyone was into GameStop. Yeah. And so yeah. the reason this became a national issue, uh, even more so than it would have been, is because the people who uh, use Wall Street, like their personal casino, were outraged and didn't think it was fair that the system was being used this way, even though, in my opinion, it already is gaming the system. It's already a huge criminal joke. Right. So it's a Rain Man kind of thing where, like... Yes. <laughs> Professional gamblers are mad that Dustin Hoffman's there with Tom Cruise. 
Perfect. Yes. Perfect metaphor. And so now they're calling for regulations and uh, for a day, the app Robinhood that I actually use was like, no, no one's going to buy Nokia and no one's going to buy Bed Bath & Beyond and no one's going to buy AMC. Everyone just chill. And it turned into a much bigger issue because the apps sided with the rich people. An app named Robinhood sided with the rich people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, gonna, yeah, that's America. Isn't it, though? Yeah. The, 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 now, does this do anything for the health of GameStop? If GameStop is flush with all the stock cash, does that keep them going? Or is it so divorced from the day-to-day -day operations of the brick-and-mortar stores that it makes no difference? It pretty much makes no difference. So um, the thing about stocks and why people say it's imaginary is it's essentially not even real money it's money based on people's belief that the business will succeed and the business is not actually going to succeed as far as we know it's not going to actually turn a profit and so at some point this the the the, the bubble's gonna burst you know someone's gonna blink and the stock will go back down right and and we're divorced from that it's like abandoning the gold standard stocks are supposed to go into the business to help the business run to help the business grow and when the business grows those stocks become more valuable and if you if you sell them uh because the business has done well with the money you put into it then you get more money out of it but the stock market is just its own thing which is um i think it brings sharp relief into the whole question of the economy this year of um Early in the pandemic, there was there were a lot of people from the government saying, well, we have to keep the economy going. We have to keep the economy going. Just show up to work. Don't wear a mask. And this kind of proves that it doesn't really matter what the actual business does. The stocks are – the stock market is its own thing, and it just runs as its own thing. Yeah, and things like, well, just go to work and uh, don't wear a mask, that is – going to put more money into people's hedge funds by keeping the stock market and keep keeping people's optimism and feelings about the future high. But I think it says a whole lot about this nation that the stock market was climbing and the billionaires were making billions while we were having record numbers of Americans filing for unemployment. Right. Uh, more Americans than ever have nothing in savings and are living paycheck to paycheck. But hooray, the stock market was doing well. Right. Yeah, it's it's that balloon and these hedge funds that are going under are asking for bailouts. Yeah, as if, you know, as if they deserve to survive, to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and budget better if the same thing happened to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to live in late stage democracy. Uh, capitalism, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. The illusion of democracy and late stage capitalism. Once I re yeah, once I realized money be was about money and it was no longer attached to goods and services, that's when I started to get nervous. Yeah, it uh, it sure can radicalize you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, do you think um, that's using your geek brain for a second? Okay. The fact that it was GameStop rallied Reddit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because they had fond memories. Of going into GameStop, a lot of them would have worked at GameStop for, you know, the 10 bucks an hour. And they have, because I, I think had this happened two years ago, it would have been Toys R Us. Yeah, probably. I think, and I think you're absolutely right. I think it's the connection between uh, aging Redditors who now have the money to buy a couple of shares of stock 
and back then did not have the money to do such things because they worked at GameStop. GameStop represents video games and geek paraphernalia and going to the mall and all sorts of nostalgic stuff. I don't, I don't think uh, it's a coincidence that when someone was like, let's do the same with Bed Bath & Beyond, it didn't really happen. Yeah, it, it's interesting. AMC maybe, just because, you know, especially now people really miss going to the movies. So you might, you might see that lift, but there was the fact that they're swooping in and trying to close off that gap. Right. I think as long as apps are restricting trading and putting limits on trading and trying to say, we're not going to let you make a transaction if it's influenced by social media, I, I don't think anyone will be able to do quite the thing that happened with GameStop. They will prevent that exact thing from happening again. Yeah, it's a one-off. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough, people decided to do something on social media that they have a problem with, whereas like, you know, attacking the Capitol, now nah, we can let that one go. No, not a big deal. Yeah. Ah, wonderful, wonderful America. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you know, you said my geek brain and my geek heart. It, it's kind of warming that it was GameStop. Yeah, me too. I really, I like, like <laughs> I said, I really wished it was Toys R Us because I just saw an article today that, you know, um, the person that bought the rights to Toys R Us opened two stores in America, I think one was in New Jersey and I think one was out in like uh, Montana. They both closed because of the pandemic. And I'm like, oh, they, they, uh. they tried to rise from the ashes. And as much as it's weird because it's all nostalgia and it's all generationally linked because I'm sure, you know, in the 60s and 70s when Toys R Us was on the rise, the people bemoaned the loss of the local toy store. So there's always going to be something that supplants it. And it's, um, it's an argument I get into all the time. Uh, you know, when people tell me, don't call it the Willis Tower, call it the Sears Tower. And I'm like, Sears is a department store. You know, you're, you're putting all your loyalty and your, your sense of identity into this company that comes it's and a goes. a different corporation, yeah. Yeah, and these things, they're not designed to last anymore. The idea of success is to now sell to somebody else. Like, you know, no, nobody nobody – you're not supposed to have that store that's 120 years old anymore. I mean, FEO Schwartz closed and opened and closed again. Yeah, I have I have my one my one memory of seeing FAO Schwartz in New York and never again. Aw, I used to work down the block. Yay. I used, to, I used to, when I worked at the Museum of Television Radio, which was across from it was down the street from CBS and across from 30 Rock. And I used to go past FAO to get on the train every day. And it was, you know, for the most part, it was Toys R Us, but more expensive. Um, they uh, spent way too much on Phantom Menace. I remember that. Oh, yeah. They had a Phantom Menace room. And they it was, did that with some of the Harry Potter movies, I remember. That's like funny because. Yeah, it's funny because I don't remember Harry Potter being a big toy market. Like the books went through the roof. I just remember like installations, like not things they were just. I saw a YouTube video of someone recently who bought like a giant Aragog spider that used to be in a display like that. Wow. Yeah. I would not want that in my house. No, me neither. I'm terribly arachnophobic. Yeah, me too. I blame Tolkien. Oh, do you? I just, I think, uh, I think it's just in my genetics. I can't think of any like experience I had or literature I read. For me, I think it was the, 
they did the version of the animated Hobbit when I was like five. Yes. And my dad was really into Tolkien because, you know, I come from a lineage of nerds. And he was like, oh, this is great. And the spiders are like super creepy in that 70s Rankin Bass. And it just it just kind of shook me to uh, it was very hard to sit through Return of the King for the first time because the whole the you just first, knew it was coming because, yeah, it was an hour and a half. And it happens in the in the two towers in the book. And I'm like, this is going to open with that fucking spider. <laughs> and then I was very, very tense. I also saw Return of the King in a 12 hour marathon in Times Square. Oh, wow. So I had so been watching Lord of the Rings for about 10 hours waiting for this spider to Thinking come. Thinking about a spider the whole time. Yeah. And I love Spider-Man. So I don't think I have problems with spiders per se, but uh, my boys both hate snakes and I don't care about snakes. Yeah, snakes don't bother me. But yeah, you make a good point. Into the Spider-Verse is one of my favorite movies of all time. And we definitely see Miles get bitten. But Oh yeah, that's a close-up of that spider. That's the same. The first Sam Raimi has like a big spider taking a healthy bite out of the hand i just don't like really big spiders so i did not like aragog i think i think with the boys i think they saw indiana jones too young because oh and yeah you go into why did it have to be snakes yeah the snakes are a big deal by the time it came out when i was like 10 or 11 so i didn't like that they were covered with tarantulas in the beginning but the snakes i was fine with so i think it's if something hits you too young it's gonna stay in there yeah, I that is definitely why I have a phobia of teeth. Teeth? I, teeth, yeah. So it's like people's teeth? Like Yeah, it, they're in my own mouth. Like so, yeah, you, you can't get away from them. Any any movie um like District 9 where the guy like has to pull out his own teeth and nails. Oh, like to, like dental stuff? Yeah, dental stuff. It's about teeth and I'm pretty confident it's because I needed a jaw surgery when I was 8. And ah. so I was exposed to like x-rays of teeth when I was really little and was real creeped out by it. There was also a time where my mom pulled a prank on me where she took all the white tips off of candy corn and she said her teeth were falling out and then she ate them and I cried. Oh. That might have been part of it too. <laughs> wow, that is damaging. It was extremely traumatic. <laughs> Yeah. So what I'm saying is the snake thing is your fault. You did this to your children. Yeah, no, no. I, I totally put that damage upon them. But yeah, I, but I gave them a good sense of humor. <laughs> sure. Tell yourself that. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're all very excited that Disney Plus is getting them up the show. That's that's how I know I'm a good parent. Oh, good. Disney Plus, I, I, uh, the, the cops are going to come for me, but I just, I sit on my friend's account and I've used it for two things. I've used it for Hamilton, and now I use it for WandaVision. It is my Hamilton and WandaVision machine. That's all Disney Plus is. First of all, good choices, but you are saying that you haven't watched The Mandalorian? Oh, you know what? I So yes and no, actually. I haven't watched The Mandalorian in its completion. I have watched the episodes that make a real splash on social media. So when Ahsoka appeared... Uh, I'm a big Ahsoka Tano fan and I wanted to see Ahsoka. And so I watched the Ahsoka episode, but Mandalorian, I honestly mostly read summaries and it's, it's nothing personal to the Mandalorian. I don't watch a lot of TV in general, sitting Uh down and watching TV is not a thing for me much. Yeah. I would say, um, well, my TV is just never slowing down because I live in a two bedroom apartment. Um, but I would say all of the Mandalorian is worth it, but WandaVision is just, I was uh, we had uh, I was talking to Elliot 
for the first episode. And then this week, like we were just tech, we were texting each other on Facebook and I was like, I think the podcast might just become a WandaVision podcast for the next eight weeks. Cause it's, I, I can't stop thinking about it. I was very surprised that I don't want to like get into too many spoilers. I don't know if everyone will be caught up by this. That's, time they hear that's okay. We can announce spoilers here. Uh, we're up to episode four as we record this. Yeah. So basically they just, they gave it away already. And yeah. unless, unless they got the wrong idea, they gave away why this is all happening and who's doing it and the boundaries around it. And I was sort of disappointed. I could have gone at least three more episodes of just slow burn genre inspired television where we had to piece it together and figure it out. I'm kind of wondering what, what they're going to do now. I don't think we know everything because they definitely don't know everything. I think they're, I think they pieced together what we've seen, but as the story goes, things can always change. We know from the clips that we're getting an 80s sitcom. So we could go right back that into that true. next week. I'm, uh, I think that's going to be next week. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I mean, um, it reminds me of Get Out in a way where you spend the first hour wondering what is going on. And then when you find out what's going on, then you spend the next hour trying, hoping that the characters get out of what's going on. Um, so it's I'm, a little, I'm a little down on the idea that they might be turning Wanda into sort of a villain over this, uh, that she's going to be framed as like a bad, evil person for, for doing this. And yeah, trapping a whole town is not good. But I, they could say some very interesting and heartfelt things about grief processing if they wanted. Yeah, I think they're starting to. I think it, it's a much more sophisticated show than I thought. And the interesting thing about it is, um, we mentioned this last week, but some people are thrown by how like uh, character focused it is and how weird it is. And they're like, oh, I thought it was going to be a Marvel and I thought that we were going to have big fights. Um, but we were supposed to get the second. We were supposed to have... Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier and that looks like it's going to be Marvel in big fights and it looked like this was going to be a palate cleanser after an expected series but because of COVID Falcon and Winter Soldier looks like they have a lot of location shoots which were very hard to control for the first six months and WandaVision is very set bound that we and got this first one that got made yeah yeah so it's it, yeah so it was the one that got finished and so it's thrown everybody for a loop but I uh, I've been so surprised by how sophisticated and subtle it is i don't think we've seen everything yet i mean we're only halfway through and there's a lot of there's a lot of rumors of like what other characters might be in the background or what this means and you know and who's in control of what um i loved this last episode it like it it snapped us back and i feel like when we go in it'll have this kind of it'll have a more sinister edge to it but yeah, I don't know. and I able, You won't be able to unsee what you've seen. I, I do wonder if there will be any rewatch value to WandaVision once the mystery is kind of out there. But we'll see. Maybe. I mean, I've watched each episode twice, but that was not getting more information each time. Right. And I think it'd be good. The other thing about Wanda is they could go either way. I think, no, um, number one, they're playing with stories that had made her a villain. Things like House of M, Avengers Disassembled. Um and the comics have have turned her crazy and made her a villain. But we also know that after this, she's going to appear in Doctor Strange. So I think her story might not get resolved. But I don't think she's going to be the villain in Doctor Strange. I think I think she uh, Doctor Strange is going to have to take her under his wing and try to rehabilitate her. But as far as grief, I think we're 
we're getting that between her reaction to hearing Petro's name and Ultron's name in the third episode. And then that shot of vision in this one just haunts me. Oh yeah. That was, I, I I'm it, here in my mid thirties. I'm getting a lot. Oops. That was June bug. I'm getting a lot more squicky about gore and violence and just seeing him with like a big hole in his head and his eyes all glassed over. I was very affected by that. Yeah. And it's not even, it's not even gore because he's a robot and he looked exactly the way he looked at the end of infinity war. Um, But it was the, the way it was shot, the way it was cut. It was just such a slap in the face that, and that's the real mystery that no one's gotten near is, is what is vision now? Like, is he alive at all? Is he a figment of her imagination? Has she reanimated him? Is she, uh, some people are saying, is she just making his corpse walk around? Like we, we don't know. Right. And we don't know what happens to vision after this. I feel pretty proud of myself because I episode one was like, I don't think visions there. And uh, at least everyone else in the universe also agrees that he's dead. So I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't. I mean, he's a robot. There is a mention in Infinity War when they talk about removing the stone, and they said, "Well, he's a fusion of Jarvis and the stone." Uh, and Ultron, so maybe there's enough of him to continue without the stone. So he could be, he could, he could be any level at this point. He could be an automaton walking around like a C-3PO or, you know, I, I don't know. But he's not, he's not just back. The, the thing that tricks me up is that there's a lot of scenes of vision where Wanda's not there. Yeah, that is true. He's like trying to solve the mystery sort of out in the yard with the neighbors. Yeah, so he definitely has some independent sentience. So, I don't know. I do I do believe everything will be resolved. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't think we're going to be left hanging with this, but it's like I think it's going to be a, a complete picture, a complete story. Yeah, I just love that this is this is something they wouldn't have been able to do any other way. Like you, they couldn't even have done this on it on Netflix. They certainly couldn't have done it on ABC. And it's not a movie. It's not a movie idea at all. So I'm hoping the rest of the shows like Loki and Winter Soldier and Ms. Marvel and She-Hulk are all formats that only work for Disney+. Plus Because it's the only entertainment we have left. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually glad that it's being released once a week instead of the binge-watching thing. Back when I was watching She-Ra and doing my She-Ra podcast, we really ran out of steam talking about Shira because people had watched all of the episodes all at once. And so every week that we did a recording, we were one week further away from when everyone had already seen it and they were already getting over it. Is that why you did, you two decided to end it, you and Eric? Well, we ended it because Shira ended. Yeah. So Eric and I had Shira Progressive of Power. We did two seasons about the 80s cartoon and then the Netflix show came up and we basically did a one to one. We did one episode of the podcast for every episode of the Netflix show. And then we had our farewell panels with the writers and creators. And we just decided it's it's end it now or end it question mark, question mark, infinity, like burn out the content. And I think we just wanted to stop 
the, the phrase go out on top is a little bit overplayed, but it was kind of go out on top, right? Like we're just going to do all the episodes. We're going to have this massive goodbye that partnered with DreamWorks. We're not just going to keep talking for the sake of talking. Right. And had you always thought of it as a finite podcast or was it you just realized, okay, we're, we're running out of stuff? Uh, I, I can't speak for Eric, but I definitely saw it as finite. I really kind of wanted to just be uh, your sort of talking dead to go along with the walking dead. You know, you debrief the episodes and you're kind of a partner piece of content for something that's out. Uh, I will say we also, anyone who is a She-Ra fan might have seen that there was a short blip, a short incident in which Noelle Stevenson said something on our podcast that was kind of widely interpreted as racially insensitive. And we made headlines for being the podcast where Noel Stevenson was going to get canceled and so on and so on. Uh, and it, it really made us look in a mirror like there's a lot of younger podcasts coming up now, a lot of podcasts hosted by LGBTQ community members and uh, just people who the show is actually for both age-wise and demographic-wise. It just felt like time to turn over the mic to people who uh, can be more energized and more accurate, I think, about She-Ra than, than two, two white people in their mid-30s. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. I've always looked at this podcast of, oh, if it was more niche, um, it would probably make, it would probably get a bigger spotlight. But But how do you keep it from burning out? And I guess you don't. Like if you're if you're really only talking about one thing, eventually you said all there is to say. But now oh, yeah, you, I I felt like I was out of things to say already, and then to have a mild fandom scandal come out of my product, I was like, we're done. Yeah, <laughs> kind of the opposite of what you were hoping for. I got what I hoped for too. I mean, we got to go to DreamWorks. We got to have a beautiful lunch out in the sunshine with a bunch of the writers and producers. And I still talk to the DreamWorks VP of animation to this day. Like those are wonderful relationships. I got everything I wanted. Uh, and then the end sort of, the plane just didn't land as smoothly as we wanted to land it. But we mm. planned on landing it all along. Yeah. Yeah, and Eric's not even in Chicago now, so I, I imagine that was a factor. Yeah, he moved to L.A., and I think his move to L.A. was at least partially fueled by when we went to L.A. for the DreamWorks tour. I think he really remembered how much he liked it out there and how many friends and, and supporters he'd have if he went out there, and so he did, and I miss him terribly. But thankfully, the Internet exists, and I get to talk to him all the time. Uh, Eric's a good guy. I, I just found out I'm booked on a podcast with him coming up soon. So nice. I, it'll be the first time I'll talk to him uh, probably since I was on she Progressive Power. Yep, yep, yep. Which um, that was a special one for me because we did the Masters of the Universe movie on my birthday. <laughs> birthday party. Yes, and we all drank and it, it was great. There's a, there's a good picture of you and I like very interested in each other <laughs> for whatever one of us was saying. I, those live shows, I always got a little too inebriated. <laughs> definitely the interest was genuine. I was, every time I was at one of those, like, I'm having such a good time. It might be the beer. I don't know. Yeah. Well, that one too, we watched the entire movie before we did the podcast. So that's an hour and a half of having to watch Masters of the Universe. 
With beverages. The With beverages. Yeah, but you need them for that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a rough movie. So um, how long was it before you decided to start a podcast again? Were you thinking, all right, this is done. What's my next thing going to be? Or did you say, I'm going to take a little time off and figure it out? Or were you like, eh, I'm done with podcasts. And now this new one popped into your head. You know, it's all of the above. I don't have a super clear answer. I was looking for another opportunity. I was actually looking at some like D&D live play shows that I could be a part of. And I got some offers in that realm. But I kind of put a, a stop on just the nerd media projects while I finished up my my grad degree. I was like, I need to finish school. I need to graduate. And then I'll worry about this. And uh, that's kind of what happened. So next thing you know, my partner tells me that they haven't seen the Cowboy Bebop movie. And that's really funny because... I met my partner on Tinder because they were dressed as Spike Spiegel from Cowboy Bebop. And they're like, how are you dressed as Spike Spiegel on Tinder and you haven't seen this film? And so I'm going to take a squeaky toy away from my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I normally would have edited this out, but that was kind of awesome. You could keep it if you want. Now she's going to cry and scream. Hey, come here. So anyway, um, my partner hadn't seen the Cowboy Bebop movie. I was sitting there with them. We watched it together. And it occurred to me that Cowboy Bebop is also going to have its day in the Netflix sun. Cowboy Bebop is going to have a live action reboot. So not an animated reboot, but a live action uh, program. And I went, oh my gosh, I could do the exact same formula as before, we could do a rewatch of the original and then do a couple fun things, do a couple live shows if they're safe. And then when the Netflix show comes out, we can start doing episode by episode breakdowns of the Netflix show, just like we did for Shira. But the real kicker here is that the voice director for Shira and the Princesses of Power is also the voice actress who played Julia in Cowboy Bebop. And she is married to Steve Bloom, the actor who played Spike in Cowboy Bebop. And so oh, I have already met Steve Bloom. Yes, it wasn't Steve Bloom also Wolverine in most of the recent Marvel. He's gotten movie? a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, I already talked to Mary Elizabeth. If I can get her to come interview with me again, because we have rapport, this could be a really killer show. And so it just, it became, it became the new concept. I realized I could basically do the same thing I did before with another animated masterpiece that I'm really fond of. Uh, But this time Eric was, Eric's very busy. Like you said, he's in LA, he's working on his new um, retail concept and doing a lot of stuff out there. And so I decided to go girl power. And so everyone in my show who works on it so far is either a woman or non-binary. My co-host is Jamie Sanchez. She's the founder of Anime Chicago and also Bitbash, which are two big things that happen in the city that you nerds might know about. And we are recording episode two later today. It's not out yet, but end of February, beginning of March. It's called The Bebop Beat. Oh, that's awesome. And as you said, you, you plan for this to run a few years and then that'll wrap up as well. Yeah, I want to just I want to get through the anime. 
We're going to do a couple of like bottle episodes about the music of Cowboy Bebop or the video games of Cowboy Bebop and then get through the Netflix show. And in theory, that'll be it, just like it was last time. Now, do you feel, as you said, with grad school, um, I do remember when you were finishing it and you were, it was very, very intense. You put the bass down, you put the geek stuff down. Did you feel like, uh, like the floodgates are open again or do you do, or do you feel like, okay, I have time for this, but your, your feelings hadn't changed. Um, and I mean, to loop this back to the beginning of this episode, it just feels like old me got bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I, I just wanted to do the things that I had been doing before that I felt like I gave up. Um, I really missed doing a podcast. I really missed playing music. And I knew from the past that I could fit a podcast like this into my schedule. I know how to make a podcast like this. I've done it before. I can do it again, but better. And I already knew that it fit in. I didn't have to guess. And so that was that was a big part of it. I will say, based on how today went with just trying to fit in this conversation with you. I have already overbooked myself. So I guess the floodgates must have opened because now my calendar is a nightmare as it always is. Yeah. You have like five zoom calls today. Yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it. You know, um, I, I recorded one episode with Jamie already and we made our editor laugh a bunch of times and we have some great guests coming up. It's, it's right. It's the right thing to do for me. That's great. Now, how will people be able to find the show? Yeah, awesome. So we are already live on Twitter and Instagram. If you look for at Bebop Beat, you'll be able to find us. Uh, you can email bebopbeatpodcast at gmail.com if you want to be a guest or you have any thoughts about any specific characters or songs or episodes of Cowboy Bebop or you just want to say hi. And then when it comes out, we're using one of those uh program Simplecast that just sends it to every podcatcher. So the Bebop Beat will be on Spotify and Apple and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And you can follow me at Not On My Book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social feed. You can also follow the page at Facebook, facebook.com slash Caffeinated Comics, where we post all the news that we think we're going to talk about at the end of the week. Uh, If you want to follow the show, if you haven't subscribed yet, we're everywhere you can get podcasts, just like Lauren said about hers. We're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon Music, we're on Apple Podcasts, or you can just go to radiomisfits.com and click on the Lifestyle tab, and we're right there. And we will talk to you next week.